Toku Secrets is a podcast run by the Anime Secrets website. Check us out at AnimeSecrets.org for more anime, video game, tokusatsu content. Remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts today. Hey everybody, it's Jason from Orange Time Force, and you're watching Toku Secrets Podcast. Tokusatsu, taking the form of many shows including Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, and Metal Heroes. And today, a group of fans come together to review it for you as Toku Secrets. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Toku Secrets Podcast presented by AnimeSecrets.org. I'm your host, Nathan Desa, and today we are back to another one of our monthly podcasts where we take a look at the current Sentai that is airing, Osama Sentai King Oger. Uh, we are looking at episodes uh, 13 through 21. Uh, I can't remember all the episodes that we reviewed last time, but we did it up to 12. Uh, we got the whole crew on here again. I'll let them say hi. Hey, real quick. Go ahead. Introduce yourself, guys. Oh. Cool. Hello. Pat Chinkin Red here. All right. Hey, guys. Red Von Gokai Red here. It's Anthony Davis, a.k.a. Kill Your Green, and I was right. My theory was right. I freaking knew it. Yes! Yeah, Anthony predicted something in this batch of episodes that ended up becoming true. Yay, Anthony. He knew something. Yeah, I remember that. Riz and I were recording our, Riz and I were recording a podcast for Rebel Season 1, and Anthony called me in the middle of that recording. I think probably my phone was on vibrate, but I do. My bad. I didn't even know that was even happening at the time. You were asleep. Right. You, so wait, you called him while, you called him when you thought Nathan was sleeping? No, I no. When he didn't answer, I thought he slept. Oh, okay, right. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna give a brief recap now. Uh, just a bit of a update, guys. Uh, this will be the last uh, King Oger podcast that we do, where we do like a big batch of episodes. Because next, uh, not our next podcast, but uh, one of the podcasts after that, we're just gonna do a short one on 22, and then just keep doing a short episode one every week. Probably like I don't know, like maybe 45 at most minutes long uh, on each of the new episodes, depending on how long it takes. But this is our last big batch of King Oger episodes. So, uh, so uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about, a lot of good stuff to talk about for a change. Which yeah. Need because of G-Ranger. So, also, yeah. can we just take a moment to recognize the fact that this is episode 99 of the podcast? Yep. Yep. And I- go... For the 100th episode, uh, we've actually been debating. We wanted to do like a theme song review, but then just like on the fly before we started recording this, we decided we're going to do a tiering uh, for all of our favorite uh, and least favorite uh, Red Power Rangers. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, so that'll be fun. So look forward to that being coming out next week, probably. Yep. But anyway, uh, so a lot happened in uh, King Oger last time, and a lot happens here, too. This Sentai is incredibly story-heavy. Um, I'll give a brief recap. Uh, so we had um, an arc where Gira was put on trial uh, by combat by Rackless. He was framed as an ally of the Bugnarok, and he was supposedly killed, but he actually survived. Uh there was this whole thing where the other King Ogers, the other four, were trying to um, kidnap Gira and keep them for themselves so that he can use the Shoe Gods for them. 
but then they all decided that they would work together to uh, protect their people, and that allowed them to form Ultimate King Oger. Then in another saga of episodes, uh, they encountered a mysterious man in a spider mask who was revealed to be uh, Jeremy Brassiri. He is a self-declared uh, king who rules over everything and a storyteller who's written all these legends for the King Ogers. And then it turns out later that he is apparently the child of a sixth King Oger. Um, so a while back, there was a sixth King Oger, and he fell in love with a Bugnarok. And because of that, he got exiled, and, you know, all record of him was wiped. And then that King Oger and the Bugnarok had a child, who was Jeremy. And Jeremy, since he's half human, half Bugnarok, wants to get peace between the two of them. And Jeremy also uh, has the ability, uh, he got these keys from the Shoe Gods to unlock his father's powers, and he's able to become a sixth King Oger, a white King Oger, Spider Cumonos. So he's based on a spider. So that was pretty cool. And we had a lot of cool things to say about Spider Cumonos. I mean, spoiler alert. Uh, well, actually, no, I think uh, this podcast is already up. Riz already said that Spider Cumonos is his favorite sixth ranger in our little yep. dry. Yep. thing so yeah um so yeah let's jump in we're gonna start off with uh, episode 13 uh angry spider where um so the episode kind of starts off with uh jeremy is getting uh you know he's starting to warm up to the king ogers you know most of this episode is him like uh you know kind of just uh screwing around with yama and Inkosopa. But then, unfortunately, uh, he turns on the King Ogers when a fight erupts between them and the Bugnarok. Uh, we learn a little bit more about Yama's backstory. Um, he, there's a flashback where, um, apparently Inkos, his kingdom was this rundown land that was used to manufacture technology and was constantly like pushed around by Shugodom. But then, Yama's mentor, an old man named Gin, uh, taught him everything about technology, and that led him to rising to power, and that's when he said, no, you know, we're going to be, you know, we're a strong kingdom, and we won't be bullied by Shu Godom, so that happens. Um, and we get more of a fleshed out, fleshing out of Jeremy's uh, little story where, you know, he becomes really angry when the King Ogres and the Bugnarok are fighting, and he vows that, you know, he has to defeat, like, if he has to defeat them both and force them to stop fighting, he'll do it. This actually leads to uh, his own mech um, appearing, a spider mech called the God Tarantula. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. And uh, he also uh, befriends this uh, monster called Girojin who's kind of, who will end up being kind of his assistant for, I guess, the rest of the series. Uh, and, yeah, that's about it for this episode. Uh, and I just spoke for a little bit, so anybody want to give their thoughts on this episode first? You guys can go ahead. Uh, I'll I'll start off since I thought Patrick could go first. But, go uh, Patrick could go first. He's unmuted now. Okay, I got to go ahead, Riz. Okay. So, um, I really enjoyed picking it where we left off in the last one with some more uh, plot-driven stuff. 
Um, I was kind of concerned that we would stop getting as much plot, so it's a nice surprise to continue getting it. I definitely think Jeremy is turning into a really great character. Um, the fact that he could steal their uh, calibers is pretty, yep, pretty sweet to me because that shouldn't have been as easy as it was to steal. But can we just take a moment to reflect on the fact that um, King Ozer Yellow, I'm blanking on her name, Kimino. Himeno, yeah. Himeno, yeah. Himeno um, was able to get him back, like, on her own. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't think that happens until the next episode, but still. You know what? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> these, these episodes all run together in my mind. They really do. Connected. That's the problem here. Is like, we can't just talk about one episode in a vacuum, because there's no... It's this week is about this character. Next week is about this character. It's all so story driven and everyone's so involved that you really can't. Mm-hmm. And that's the big beauty of King Ozer so far is it's so story driven. I'm not used to this, especially after looking at garbage like Zero Ranger. And I'm looking at you, Geki Ranger. There it is. You knew it had to happen. Uh, you want to say anything, Patrick? Uh, truth be told, I don't remember anything about this episode. <laughs> this it felt more like felt like it did. Yeah, like I'm not going to use the term filler because that's not what it was, but it definitely felt like it was like a transitional episode. Like it, it didn't really do. It didn't really do much. So I don't really have much to say about it. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything wrong with it. It's just compared to what we had before and after it. It's just kind of there. Yeah. Like I said, I just love the fact that Jeremy is just, it just, it just, like, just demolishing these guys. And it's very impressive that he's able to just do it on his own. Like, mm-hmm. he's showing how, like, strong of a six ranger he is, you know, like, I mean, shouldn't maybe lay it down the line, he might lose, but like at least for now, he's still pretty much like on top. And and that's the thing you want for a six ranger following this trope. If you have a six ranger who's not immediately like part of the main team, and they're kind of at odds with the rest of the team, thinking of like you know Jeremy or um, I'm assuming Time Fire will be the same way when we get to that and next sent we watch where there's yeah. a lot of, like, conflict, and he has to stand on his own two feet. So I'm kind of thinking that'll be the same thing there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's that's a really good thing, because unlike other teams where, like, for example, Guy and Gokai, he joined and was immediately on the team, basically. There's no conflict. He was never against them. He was always working with them. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see that a six ranger who joins the team as the adversary part-time is given that respect to be a threat to the team. Yep. yep. But I, um, I, I don't really like, I thought it was just a fine episode, like uh, nothing too much stand out about it, but you might notice a trend with the King Odor, at least for now, like even like just a great episode. I, I, I 
even like an episode that's just standard is still pretty good. I'm going to give this one an eight. Yeah, I'm going to give this an eight as well. Uh, Patrick? Seven. Okay. And Anthony? I'm feeling you would. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so now we can move on to episode 14, which builds off of uh, what happened in the previous episode uh, together with Mofoon. Uh, so I forgot to mention this. There were uh, two shoe gods that appeared next to uh, God Tarantula in the previous episode. Uh, there was a Cicada one and a Centipede one. And um, apparently, Humeno uh, recognizes these from her little flashback that you might remember that we talked about in the previous episode where, you know, regarding the death of her parents and everything. And that causes Humeno to suspect that Jeremy may be behind uh, God's wrath, which was the big, like, the big event, which they're, they're going to be emphasizing this God's wrath thing a lot in these episodes, which gets me, gives me the feeling that they're trying to make this like the big plot focus down the road, um, which is fine. I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, and Jeremy is put under uh, investigation, but then it turns out that he's actually, he's innocent. He was actually asleep during God's wrath. Um, and he, and believe it or not, he actually uh, reveals that the Mofoon anime, which uh, this is something that's been kind of touched upon. Like Rita has a stuffed animal of like the main character from this anime that she keeps with her, uh, which is absolutely adorable, by the way. Um, that uh, it was created, you know, he had it created specifically to help Himeno cope with the death of her parents. He's given a pardon. He helps the King Ogers defeat uh, one of the newest Bugnarok. And then the episode ends, setting up another arc where Rockless offers Kagaraki to see his sister, Suzume, who we meet at the end. But we'll talk about that a little bit in the next episode. Uh, I have an issue with this episode, but I'll let you guys talk first. Um, Can I ask you something first? Yeah, Yeah, go for it. I was like, so I actually did enjoy this episode. Um, first being is that you don't want to piss off him because she will definitely go off. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, like Bruce was just saying, that's he just steals the calibers back so easily. Yeah. Cause like, I just love the fact that like, she was like the most level headed one and she was like the most like calm and collected. But when you see her angry, you, you see a whole different side of her. It's like, wow, like this is, you know, how she really feels. And it also helps the fact that we know about why she's, she is the way she is because of losing her parents. That anger kind of was like, was like, like always there, but it just never came out the way it does. And now we see why. I mean, even when she's angry and showing emotions like she did here, it didn't, in my opinion, impair her abilities as a fighter. It actually, I think it amplified what she was able to do. Yeah. And, and I always hate like, somebody gets angry, they always get like unfocused and and, and don't fight as well. But here, she yeah. still fights well, even when she's angry. Yeah. Yep. Patrick? Um, I like that it also showed that she can still be level-headed while being emotional, because when, when shown the facts, she didn't try to, like, double down on her accusations. She backed off on it. 
So yeah, for being for being such a a wear your emotions on your sleeve type of person, she's still rational. And yeah, it's hard to it's hard for people to write characters like that for some reason. I don't know why. You either have to be super rational or super blinded by emotions. But we got a character here who can find a balance, you know. And that's yeah, it's good. It's good character yeah. writing when you can do it right. Yeah, definitely. No, like this, this episode. So I've always I've always thought Himona is a really good character for the season, but this this little arc has probably made her my favorite character for the season. Yeah, being here, like Himona is just amazing. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, I I won't refute that uh Himeno is a bad character. I honestly my only real issue with this episode, it has nothing to do with the characters. The characters are great in this episode. My issue is with the story cuz like, okay, Himeno has these personal issues which comes naturally, but I wish that I really wish that they drew out this mystery regarding like God's wrath for maybe like one other episode cuz I feel like this episode moved a little too fast. And because it's all contained in this one episode, ironically enough, this might feel like the most standard episode in this series where we have the new sixth ranger. He has a problem with one of the team members. Then that issue gets resolved. And then they celebrate by destroying the monster of the day together. I mean, that's like a standard post sixth ranger. Like I've pointed this out a couple of times. I don't think I did it in a, I didn't do it in G-Ranger because G-Ranger didn't have that type of episode. But, like, we, I talked about it in Gokaiger and I talked about it in Shinkinger. Like, you know, how first episode after Guy has joined the team, he has a problem with Don. And first episode after Ginta joins the team, he has a problem with Miyunosuke. And, I mean, another example, like, I think there was – it was in Mega Ranger. Like, first episode after Mega Silver is around, he has an issue with uh, Mega Black. Yep, I remember that. So, it – and I, I'm not saying that this is a bad episode because it's not. I just wish that it that they kind of drew out the conflict between Jimeno and Jeremy just a little bit longer. But at the same time, I mean, it this is a King Oger episode. So, and I guess at this point we can say with the standards, even a disappointing King Oger episode is still pretty good. It's just not amazing. Like so, and. Just for that, I'm going to give it a seven. I'm not saying it's bad. I just had some issues with it. Yeah, but I, I, I think that point you make about this episode is going to be something I'm going to bring up later because I think it might be one of my first real problems with this season, and that's mm-hmm. I tend to think it's moving too fast now. Yeah. Yeah, that that's going to be a common thing that I noticed with this batch of episodes too. Yeah, because it feels like we're getting near end of season stuff at like a little under the midway point. So I don't know because this this feels like a revelation that should have happened like in episode like thirty eight or something. Not like at least the 20s. fourteen. Yeah, but this is episode fourteen. I feel like we're a yeah. little bit ahead of pace here. That would be still doesn't reveal who was responsible for the you know. No, but it yeah I know, but it still revealed kind of 
it, it still feels like this should have been later. Well, to me, the story writing here, honestly, the best parallel I've seen is to Sinkinger when we're talking about the parents' era when they're fighting as a Sinkinger team and all the drama they had. So, and that went on throughout the entire season, like we'd reference it here and there. I think this is something we're going to see throughout. And as we go through the season, we're going to get more information little by little. Which, I mean, yeah, looking ahead, we're instead going to get... Just, yeah, instead of just, like, dedicate, like, a five, six episode stretch to the whole thing, like you right. would in other... Because now it's, now it's organic, right? Like, you're, you mention it, you know it's part of him and his past early on, and now you as an audience member can keep that in mind as you go through the rest of the journey with these guys. I don't think it's a bad thing to put here. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of worried that they're, they're going to start overcomplicating the plot of the show because a lot of the stuff that I kind of figured was going to happen has already happened that I thought they were going to happen like 10 episodes down the line and stuff. So I'm getting this, I'm starting to get this growing concern that maybe they're going to start overwriting this season a little bit to try to fill out the episodes. Do like you they're feel, burning through their ideas too fast. Do you feel that they're doing the route? Because this, honestly, the, the, the way the pacing is, it kind of reminds me of how Comrade does it because Comrade has had this, like, does this as well. Not, not many, like, these, like, Early Heisei era doesn't do this, but like, I want to say like the like newer era has done this before. Although like, like the post like, decade era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they overwrite the story a little bit. I want to say like it doesn't start happening to like maybe I want to say I want to say wrong. I think it wrong when. Dime, I want to say around. Yeah. That. yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just on my notice too. But that says something because, like, this guy before he was the head writer of Sentai, all he did was common writer stuff. That's it. Yeah, and and that's kind of yeah, like so because for for it being so about five kings and five kingdoms, it's actually quite grounded. But, I don't know, it's just, I I can just see this getting a little bit out of control after a while with how quick they're burning through stuff, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. Let me, but, let me ask you this, Pat. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this question. Talking specifically about Himeno and this mm-hmm. King's Wrath thing going on right now, would you have the same opinion of Himeno's character if this revelation about the King's Wrath came at, like, episode 35 onwards, like... What do you mean, like... So, to me, my opinion is, having it now lets us feel more about her character early, and it's a part of her. But if you don't ever mention it, reference it, bring it up, and then you drop it out of nowhere, like, 20 episodes from now, I don't think the impact is there. As much as it is right now. Well, 
it's it's one of those things I'll have to answer that question in hindsight. Like, yeah, I feel like I feel like this is one of those things where I'm going to have to wait until it's all said and done before I can really so where I can say if they did it right or not. So it's just yeah, a, I mean, like me projecting what I think it could look like based off of what we've seen so far. Yeah, I'm just pointing out. I'm just pointing out the other perspective to counterpoint. Yeah, you. no, no, I know, I know, in I, that, I know, but in that you it's know, just a difficult question for me to answer because I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I hope after this, <laughs> who knows? Maybe they'll do a filler episode here and there just to let things. I mean, a little bit because I mean, I, I mean, filler episodes would honestly do totally. them at this point. Yeah, like personally, I think it could use some to slow the pace down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I disagree with y'all on that. I am okay with no breathing rooms, high end story. But that's because I'm coming off of like a bunch of different TV shows across different fandoms yeah. that have all been nothing but filler. And I'm not just talking Toku, I'm talking other stuff as well that I'm watching on the side. Yeah. So, but again, this is something that we can. This will. Yeah, but this will be something we could discuss in hindsight. Like, when we yeah. get to the end of the show and we feel like it was, like, it just overcrowded itself on the back end, we could be like, okay, maybe yeah. they should have put in some filler to slow the pace down and everything. But, you know, it's, I'm just raising a concern that I have about yeah. everything. That but, I mean, too much I mean, too my much fingers, story. it's not a problem that we'll have to deal with. Yeah, but I'm, I think too much story is a good problem to have, though, honestly. Agreed. If I'm they keep it tame. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. start contradicting themselves and making plot holes. Yeah. Which is why I, I do know one writing the story. I so. do know one thing though. When I was but watching Q Ranger, I'm a bit. Go ahead, Anthony. No, go ahead, Anthony. No, yeah, because you, uh, you were talking first. I, I didn't want to interrupt you. No, it's, it's all good. All I was going to say is, um, crap, I don't know what I was going to say anymore. Carry on. Just talk. My bad, damn. Uh, what I was gonna say was that, like, I know when I was watching Q Ranger, there was so much filler. I was just like, can you, can you just, just not give us much filler, please? Like, I need, like, okay. actual story. Okay. Bouncing off of you, Anthony. And again, to remind everyone, I've only seen, like, the first 15 episodes of Q Ranger at this, up until this point. And. That's more than I've seen. <laughs> this. Key Ranger is what Patrick is scared of King Ozer having the problem of where they they do too many things at one time in the beginning, but they don't manage it well to give us stuff to do later. Like Anthony would probably agree with me, like the first three, four episodes are pretty well done. Mm-hmm. And then as you get to like episode seven and eight it gets silly and stupid and just there's too many cooks there's just too many cooks literally too many cooks because i think was it yellow who's a cook yeah yes he is a cook yeah 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 it's like this is a small spoiler for guys like there is literally a ranger almost every episode they introduce and you're just like can you just not keep introducing more rangers like you already have nine. We don't need to keep adding more and more and more after a while. Like literally, but I think by episode thirteen, 
We have 12 Rangers. Exactly. And then, like, I don't, I don't know. I haven't watched the rest of Key Ranger, but from what I've read, the basic idea is after these guys are all introduced, we just get uh, fillers throughout. There's nothing else that happens. Yeah. Nothing but fillers, guys. Nothing but filler. We do get so, one full Ranger, but then he doesn't come till later. And and part of my part of the reason why I'm enjoying King Ozer so much is because I tried watching Kia Ranger earlier in the like maybe two months ago and it's part of the it's part of the Sentai that I watched. I was like, Oh god, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But yeah. Unlike the other one that I'm saying that about, I'm we're doing a podcast on it, so I can't not watch it. Right. Do we have a confirmed episode count for the season yet, or no? No, you don't normally get that until the end. Literally, they're going to tell you, next week is the finale, or... Yeah. Next week at the beginning of the final arc. Or I would imagine 47 or 48, because that seems to be the number of episodes of Sentai right now. But shockingly, Dawn Brothers was actually 50 episodes. Oh, yeah. okay, then maybe, maybe it'll hit 50 then. No, I was going to say, the last couple have been around 48 or 50. Yeah. Okay. But what do we want to give episode 14 out of 10? Uh, I gave it a 7 already. I'm going to give it an 8. No, give it a 7. give it an 8, too. Okay, cool. Okay, we can uh, move on to uh, episode 15, which, again, picks up from a story that was established uh, that was kind of hinted at at the end of the last episode. Uh, we um, So we get more introduced to Kagu Rocky's uh, sister. Her name is Suzume. Um, and we actually find out why she is um, why she is in being held by Rackless. Um, apparently, in a flashback, we find out that... Uh, the king of Tofu before Kaguraki, uh, he was actually hoarding food in the midst of a famine during the God's Wrath. And that led to Kaguraki staging a rebellion, and that led to him taking over the kingdom. And he was, and he got the Demishu gods from Shugodom, um, to help restore the farmlands of Tofu. But in exchange, he had to give up his sister to Rakhlis. Because that's what Rackless does. He's a jerk. Um, and uh, Suzume was his only sister. And, you know, he vowed to protect her. And she's apparently uh, supposed to be a bride for Rockless. Rockless wants to marry her. And Rockless actually agrees to free her in this episode. But she refuses because she... Um, because... She's insisted, like, oh, Rockless, I love Rockless, Rockless, um, I kind of like how Melee was. Okay, not as bad as Rio, but still pretty bad. Um, and, but it implies that she's doing this more out of a desire to protect Tofu. Uh, then they, um, they agree, J- Jeremy throughout this episode is trying to get peace negotiations with the Bugnarok. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, the, uh, and he develops an admiration for Kaguraki because of, you know, Kaguraki's love for his sister. And in this episode, we actually get more about, uh, Jeremy's, uh, God Tarantula. It actually has a knight form, like a warrior form. Uh, and in the next two episodes, it links up with the centipede and cicada shoe gods to form, like, 
different weapons, which is pretty cool. We'll talk about God Tarantula in a little bit. And the episode ends with uh, Rockless and Desnarok meeting for uh, peace negotiations. Uh, so, yeah, that's about everything that happens in this episode. Uh, what did everybody think of this episode? Anybody want to go first? Actually, before we start, I can I just say one thing? So, What's that? Uh, the reason I was kind of like laughing in the background, I, I'm pretty sure I had my mute, my thing muted yeah, was because yeah, as soon as you said, as soon as you, as soon as you said Rockless was, um, that Cincinnati want was gonna marry, be a bride from Rockless, I saw the look on Patrick's face. He was just like, like, I'm gonna marry him. As soon as she admitted that she liked him, I was like, something's fishy here. Yeah. Why? <laughs> You're like, why? And why wasn't it me? <laughs> I mean, you could do better than him. I mean, Jeremy's not a bad-looking guy. You could go with him. Like, I know he's had Bugnarot, but he's not a bad-looking guy. Yeah, he's, he's human when, um, in the parts that count. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, now we're doing something weird. I'm sorry, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, did you look or something? Stop that. <laughs> but yeah, what do we think of this episode? I'm not sure. Um, this episode was weird. Like, not in a bad way, weird. Just, I don't know how to describe it. The parts where Gear was trying to climb the tower in like a fake bug suit was kind of funny. Oh, but yeah, it was hilarious. I forgot to mention that. Oh my god. It was pretty funny. I, I'm not it was funny, but I kind of was pissed at him because I'm like, dude, if you don't stop with this stupid Tiber King, ah, ha, ha, shut up. That was yeah. the wrong time to do it. That part, that part of Gira's character is getting on my nerves. Yeah. Gira is losing points in my book. Yeah. And he has he's him not for a, a bad character. I mean, He's not a bad character, but he's got that one little quirk about him that's just driving me crazy. But I mean, that's that's the thing I'm noticing with the modern Red Sentai Ranger. They all have a thing that they do. Like, Lucky has to say, it's Lucky! Every episode. And then even though I don't mind it now, uh, it kind of annoyed me at first um, when I was watching Kira Major... um, the red from that series would always say, uh, Kira May King, which is like, I think he said, um, I think it means, uh, sparkling idea or something like that. He'll say that all the time. He'll have his, he'll literally shout it out and have his hand open out in the air and he'll like, I got an idea. Like, can you not do that all the time, please? Still, still a good red. I just, he just has that one quirk that he does too. I do like, the idea that this this episode introduces of the humans and the Bugnarok trying to have peace negotiations because that's not an approach you've ever seen in a Sentai before. Yeah. Even though you know it's going to go, even though you know it's going to go south really quickly, it's just but it's it's tried. Just, it's it's easy. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, but even though you knew it was going to go south, like let's be real here, it wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you don't see freaking, you know, like, let me give you an example. Um, you don't see Baranoia having a, a, uh, of a 
O-Ranger having a like a yeah uh, peace treaty with you know um you uh, was it is it U A U A O U A O H U A O H yeah yeah okay. yeah I liked this episode because it gave more of a backstory for Kaguraki. It's simple, but he's been kind of a more of one of the boring King Ogers over these last couple of episodes. So just a little bit of backstory is pretty welcome for him. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's the beginning of some good character development for that character. Yeah. He definitely needed it. <laughs> like I said last time, he was the weakest link of the five. I don't think we're going to be able to say that after this batch of episodes. No. I don't know who I'm going to say that about. I don't think I can say that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed this one. I'm, did you want to say anything else about it, Riz? No, I think we summed it up pretty well. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving this one an eight. I really like this one. Mm. I'm going to stick on the seven train. Okay. I'm only going to give it a seven because of gear stupidity. I'm giving it a seven as well for that. Yeah. That's okay. We we got another good episode here. Uh, this this might be one of my favorites of this bunch, actually. Um, this is a kind of a Rita focus episode. Uh, episode sixteen, the ten year old Chief Justice. Uh, so apparently, it is the fifteenth anniversary of uh, Rita becoming the new Chief Justice, like uh, the ruler of Gokan, and uh, she actually is spends most of this episode being haunted by her very first judgment. Uh, we find out in a flashback that she was, um, she made her judgment against a man named Shiron, who uh, poisoned um, his, um, he poisoned his wife, who was also the original, the first ruler of Gokan, uh, Karasu. And even though he confessed to being guilty, she suspected that he wasn't guilty. And, uh, <clears throat> Later on, when she uh, does further investigation, she discovers a toxin that was similar to the one that killed Jimena's parents. And Shiron reveals that God's wrath was carried out by a human, but it's not, but he couldn't be punished by law. So Karasu offered to, um, to keep that person confined herself and she had to fake her own death, which that's what Shiron did. So. Uh, he's declared not guilty and he sets off to find Karasu and the person who did cause God's wrath. Um, and the episode ends with, uh, Himeno and giving Rita this little muffin plush as a sign of goodwill, which is, which was pretty cute. Um, a little bit of a fun fact, and this is something I love about this episode. Uh, this is kind of a, this is kind of a little miniature Common Rider Drive reunion because, uh, Karasu and Shiron are both played by former cast members. Uh, Shiron is played by uh, Kisuke Ida. He was this corrupt cop who, uh, spoiler for anybody who, uh, like, who turns out to have done something terrible. I'm not going to spoil it in case we review Common Rider Drive, but it's, and, uh, Karasu is played by, uh, you want to remember this? Yeah, yeah. Um, and Karasu's actress, her name is Rei Yoshi. She was a, she was basically the scientist ally. Her name was Rena, and she was actually a pretty cute character too. I was glad seeing her. Uh, yeah, Still most, most, yeah, like, yeah, like most people say that, like the leading lady that uh, 
that um, I, I'm not going to go on a huge tangent over this. Like most people say that the leading lady, I can't remember the main girl cop who gets married to uh, Shinosuke at the end of the show. Like people say that she's her main crush. Lena was my main crush in that series. So I was happy seeing her again. Well, I liked both, but I was leaning more towards uh, the latter. Cause I think that, you know, the maturity, her, her maturity was more affected than the younger um, leading lady. But, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of Common Rider Drive, so I like seeing both those actors back. Yeah, I was like, I, I know this act, I know, I know it's the, 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 the guy first before I know it's her. Cause I think what it was that because I was focused on looking at him, I was like, I've seen him before, but then I see her, I was like, oh, oh that's her too, so. Now, unfortunately, they can't get Common Rider Drive's actual actor, cause he's a big actor now. In fact, he was actually in Detective Pikachu. But, uh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. what? I don't know. I just know that he was in Detective Pikachu. He was a trainer. He was just like a Pokemon trainer in that. Yeah. Oh, okay. But he's a really big actor. Like, I mean, my wife knows who he is, so that's huge. Like he, like I'm talking like maybe Tom Holland level size big actor right now. So, yeah. Dude, that's a big actor. I know. But anyway, uh, enough about the Common Rider Drive love. Uh, what did we all think about this episode? I I love the I got Pat. Um, I'm this is gonna sound a little bit weird given how I just complained about pacing issues, but I don't mind how they handled it in this one because they they ended it on a point of like pause at the end where he went to go walk to find uh, Rita's mom. I'm assuming that's who that's supposed to be. They never outright said it. But I'm assuming that's who that is. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they 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 had the story arc in on a pause. So I don't mind it being this early on in the the show. But it's nice to see that that there was some growth in Rhea's character from being timid to kind of a little bit cold, but she still has that child side because she basically grew up with no parents. Mm-hmm. Um. But probably my favorite part of this episode is at the end when uh, Himeno gave her the doll. Yeah. You can tell that Himeno knows that Rita likes the the, the series. You can tell. She knows. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Moment. It, it was just a nice, it was just a nice, it, it was a very, like, uh, welcomed episode for Rita because I think she needed an episode to show that she has some humility, even though she tries to act like she doesn't. Uh, Riz, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say I just love the entire Rita Moffin thing where it's yeah. like this this neutral solemn girl who says no emotion will randomly consult with a Moffin doll about what she's to do next or just has this huge obsession, has this big-ass plussy. Um, I just love it. And then I love at the end when Himino gifts her that toy and she says, I can't accept it. And Himino's like, okay, I'm going to leave it here for you and I'm going to walk away. And she turns around and... It's gone. It's gone. 
Oh, uh, yeah, when Himeno turns around, the door slams and the thing is going. Yeah. She just smiles like, I knew you'd like that. <laughs> right. Yep. I could really get more with Himeno. Have and I, these two have a very, these two have a very odd chemistry that I kind of like for some reason. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So think of they're like, different, but they were both affected by God's wrath differently. This episode shows that, but also very similarly. And I really hope yeah. they can touch upon this relationship more in for the rest of the show. And like yeah, me too. It's interesting that they both had God's wrath happen and. The Muffin character helped them both through it. Yep. It it kind of, and Patrick will probably agree with me here, given we have a similar background in this, but this kind of feeds the psychology bit of you have to have some kind of thing to ground you after a trauma event happens, and I think this is their trauma yeah. event. Yeah, it's a comfort. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, and I like that connection. It, yeah, and it... Be, because it, they both grew yeah. up without... Yeah, because they both grew up without parents, and you could tell where they took different paths. Like, Jimena was almost still, like, in her young girl princess phase, where she's, like, the overly elegant, like, Disney princess. And then Jimena, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Rita took it in the... Almost in, like, the neglected kind of goth direction where she's very secluded and kind of cold, but then in private, she's a, a softy. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it, it makes these two characters really interesting. Like, this, epi these, this episode and a couple episodes back, Rita's really grown on me. Same. Yeah, Rita's been growing on me as well, this uh, batch of episodes. Um, and she needed to, because before this, I was kind of getting tired of her full-on neutrality and kind of being a stoic character who doesn't really do anything until the Moffin character is next to her. Mm -hmm. But at least now, having, like, an explanation for why, it makes it even more... It makes it better to me. But she's also yeah. showing some cracks in that armor a little bit, too. Just a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, that's the best part of it. And do you think that's... Good. The way I say... Now, I was going to say, I'm, I'm just loving that in this batch of episodes, we're getting more of their humanity and mm -hmm. what makes them tick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think this exactly. is a really great... All five of them have something that happens to them. Yeah. What will we well, do? Go ahead, Anthony. I'm sorry. What was I going to say was that, um, you think they'll ever, like, explain what's up with the eye? What's up with the what? It's her, her eye. Her eye and her mom have. It's called um. What was the name of it? The condition we had two different colored eyes. Uh, I can't remember what it's, it's, it's called the, either. It's on. It's on the tip of my tongue. It was um. Then pull it off the tip of your tongue. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh. There is a sign there's a there's a condition term for it. Um but you guys keep going with your thoughts real quick. 
What do we think of uh, the Tarantula? Uh, Four-wise, that would probably give us a heat, just because. Yeah. But what do we think of a Tarantula Knight? I said let's give it a night, just for scores. Tarantula Knight, the uh, fighting kimono mech, now that we've seen it in its night form. like um, what, I, what do we think of that? I think it's a fine mech. I mean, I yeah. it, it's nothing like top ten favorite mech for me, you know, but it's still a pretty good mech. Yeah, it's about what we would expect yeah. given, like, uh, the first spider mech that we get in Super Sentai. Like, I mean, I personally like it, but I don't know. I mean, nothing beats the V-Rex slash Q-Rex for me, so. Um, Agreed. Did you find the name of the condition, Patrick? Uh, yeah, it's called heterochromia. Oh, oh it's okay. an actual condition where you're born with two different colored eyes. It's like a condition oh, okay. where you're born with two different colored eyes. So that's probably that's probably all it is. I think that reveal of her showing that her other eye was a different color was to try to confirm that that was her mom that died. I think that's what the connection yeah. was supposed to be. Um, um but as for uh, Tarantula, well, she has that special for, ability with for, whatever. No, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just a thing. But as for uh, Night Tarantula, I like, I'm, I'm loving how nimble and, uh, like, not stilted these mechs are in this season. Because I'm getting sick of, like, big lumbering robot. It's nice to have something that can actually move. Yeah. <laughs> like, this thing yeah. is swinging around like Spider-Man and hanging off pillars and everything. Yeah, you were going to like that. Yeah. The new package was going to love that, guys. It's, 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 it's clear that there's some Spider-Man inspiration with this stuff. Like, yeah, after we found your mech for you, but... not even hiding it. It's up there. <laughs> I'm not even going to deny it. We found your personal mech. You cannot deny that. Yeah, that's so awesome. It's like <laughs> it's like the guy who created Spider Kimonos like said, like, hey, there's this guy named Patrick Island. Let me make the the best possible. Yeah. Ranger this, form. <laughs> you thought, oh, Jake Red's his favorite Ranger home. We'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah. Talk it or who? Talk it or who? But yeah, Patrick said he would give it uh, an A. What about the rest of us? I, I'll, I'll give it an A. I'll give it A too. No, I really loved it. I'm, I'm going to give it a nine just because I'm I, I I liked Rita already and I really like her now. So, um, all right. So uh, now we uh, I think we're kind of moving on into like you know a bigger part of a you know the story here uh, called uh, episode seventeen. The king does not flee. Um, so. Uh, at the end of the previous episode, as part of the peace negotiations, uh, Yanmo was kind of tried to was blackmailed into uh, saying that he needs to, uh, you know, pledge loyalty to Rackless and Shugodom, which, of course, Yanma being Yanma, he says no. And uh, we find out that um, Jeremy finds out that the Bugnarok don't actually want to start fighting, don't actually want to stop fighting because apparently uh, – they're going to be reviving uh, one of the um, this powerful warrior named Digorg, and you know, and Rackless actually reveals that he agreed to help resurrect Digorg as a sign of peace because even though he's being used by the Bugnarok, 
he doesn't really care because he gets to maintain power over Chugotam, and he literally says that he would sell him sell his soul to the devil himself if it meant he would obtain power. Mm. Was just such an amazing guy, isn't he? Like he's got my he's got my vote for leader of the year. Spoken like a true politician. We get a I hate how on the nose that is. Yeah. <laughs> um so we get a fight between the King Ogres and the um and the Bugnarok where Jeremy resorts to deciding that, you know, he has to defeat everyone in order to force peace. Uh, he actually combines God Tarantula with uh, King Oger. It's not given an official name, though. They fight off of Bugnarok, but then Rathless arrives and with his own uh, God, Kuwaga to Zero, and he blasts them away. Uh, Rita and Jimeno are trying to save the people from Inkosopa as, it, as it's about to be invaded. Then Digorg arrives. He makes his big debut, and he beats both Yanma and Jeremy into submission. And Rathless arrives. And he once again demands that Yanma surrender, but Yanma, of course, refuses. And then we get a big cliffhanger where Gira, who keep in mind, everybody except the King Ogres think that Gira is dead right now. Gira shows up and he saves Yanma and vows that he will defeat Rackless as the episode ends. Um, Dude, that took so long for Gira to make himself known if he's still alive. I was yeah. pressed long to keep that secret with the way Gera is. Yeah. But yeah, what do we think of this episode? Uh, episode, I've lost count of how can we make Rackles the most unlikable piece of human excrement alive. Uh, exactly. That, that, that's really not, you said a mouthful. Uh, I don't know, right? Um, mm-hmm. But man, they're they're really nailing it. Like, Rackless is is such a well written villain character. Like, probably the first time I would consider us having a true evil Sentai Ranger, and he is so good in that role. Like that that scene where he thought. Uh, Yanma was dead, and he started laughing maniacally. Was just like, chilling. he whiz. This guy is unhinged more so than yeah. I thought. Yeah, chilling was a good word to describe it. Um, but that moment when Gira showed back up and gave him the the death glare, I was like, oh man, this is about to get good. <laughs> this episode was very tense and in a good way. So. Yeah, but, I mean, most of it kind of, you know, uh, sets up for uh, what's going to happen. I I actually like how uh, this episode kind of furthers Jeremy's story now, where he kind of has given up on trying to have their peace between the two. Like, it kind of subtly furthers his story. He's he's finally starting to realize that the Bugner Rock are too stubborn. Yeah. Humanity's not going to stop if they're going to keep getting attacked. And it actually breaks him a little bit. I like that. I love that it broke him. That yeah, me too. Again, every character is getting some kind of 
not like an existential crisis, but like you're all getting something major happening to them right now. Yeah. Yeah, like, because usually when a character like this, where they're they're like kind of like talks of both sides wanting to be to you know work together, and then they don't cooperate, they go all scorched earth. But I'm glad they took this route of him just being like, I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 refreshing. I like that they did that with him. This someone being so like high and mighty, and now he's just like laying on a ball in the corner. It's <laughs> kind of funny. I'll probably give this uh, Riz. Did you want to say anything about this episode? Um, yeah, I think the best part of this episode is definitely Jeremy coming to the realization that his tactics and his philosophy may not dive with what's the true nature of the world that he's come to. Um, I also think the entire, um, like, Rockless and Desnarok thing is pretty interesting here. I'm I'm probably gonna give this episode. Um, I I really like this episode, and I'm really liking the story arc that's coming. I'm uh, I'm gonna give this one a nine out of ten. Really I'm really nine. I'm eight. Eight. You're always one below us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saving my nines for. No, I'm just gonna say this right now. I'm saving my nines for these next two episodes because they're actually nines at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that allows us to transition to. Uh, Episode 18, The Crown of Beginnings, uh, where the big thing in this episode is that uh, Rockless reveals that he has this new weapon uh, while he's battling with Gira. Um, you know, he um, at the beginning when he's battling Gira and, you know, he has to fight against Digorg for a little bit. Uh, he unveils this crown, which, you know, he can put on. It transforms him into I. I don't like to use the term battleizer since that's a Power Rangers term, but that's kind of what it is. So yeah, it's a battleizer basically. Uh, it's, ba- it's basically a king form where he gets this golden armor form and the crown gets equipped to a lance. And we actually find out in a flashback that it's a crown that's passed down through the royal, royal family. And he was actually shown revealing it to Gira when they were kids, but apparently the crown is useless without the lance. Um, Kaguraki is caught um, sneaking through Shogodam's castle, um, and, you know, uh, he, you know, during which, you know, there's like a big scheme between him and Suzume, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, and he actually reveals that his loyalty to Rockless, Kaguraki's loyalty, has been a ruse the whole time. He was looking for a key to activate the King Oder Zero thing, and he had, and Suzume actually helped him obtain it, and he actually steals the lance, and he gives it, along with the crown, to Gira, and that allows Gira to transform into what's called uh, King Kuwagata Oger, which, uh, just to pause real quick, I, and you guys can give your thoughts on this form, too. Uh, I love this form. It reminds me a lot of Kamen Rider Blade's King form uh, from Kamen Rider Blade, and that's actually one of my favorite Kamen Rider final forms. Like, that, that is... If if this were to be adapted into Power Rangers and counted as a battleizer, it would be a top battleizer for me. Honestly, I really like the look of the form. But what do you guys think of it? My only complaint, my only complaint with the form is 
I know there's a slight accent of red you can see on the suit to indicate it's still Gira, but I wish it had a little bit more red or a little bit more gray for Reckless. Yeah. Like, it's a small thing. It's a very small nitpick. Overall, yeah, I agree with you. It's a great fatalizer, and I think it's a great-looking thing, but yeah, it's just a little bit more red. I agree with you. Yeah, because when Reckless had it on, it looked like he had gold armor over his base outfit, but when Gear puts it on, it's a completely new outfit. Yeah. Like, why does he not have, like, the red piece with, like, gold armor over it instead of it's just a full gold outfit? That kind of bothers me. But it looks good otherwise, yeah. I mean, it... And in a way, it also kind of reminds me of... uh Maybe just because, you know, it has the Medieval Knight theme to it. It kind of reminds me of Wes's Red Battle Warrior from Time Force. And that, I might actually call that my favorite battleizer in Power Rangers. So, that's actually a good thing. Uh, well, it's either that or Shane's Battleizer. Um, that was a pretty good one, too. Uh, we'll think, talk about... I think Wes wins. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so... Gira, so, Gira is able, so, they, so he uses, so now Gira has the King Guagada Oger form, um, and he's able to use the crown to unite every Shu God, so this includes, like, you know, Ultimate King Oger plus the ones that Jeremy uses, um, to form Extreme King Oger, uh, he, uh, they have this big fight with, uh, Kuwa, with, uh, King Oger Zero, during which, uh, Gira gets a little bit, um, he actually gets really angry with Rockless this time because the flashback shows that Rockless had a little bit more of a noble dream of uniting people and Rockless is all like, man, I was just a dumb kid when I said that stuff, you know, like this is reality now, man. And, uh, that's what, um, so Gira beats Rockless into submission and then the episode ends with him, uh, with Rockless fleeing back to the, uh, to his castle, only to find out, oh no, it's been seized by the Bugnarok. Literally, no one could have seen this happening except, oh my God, everybody saw it happening. What? No, <laughs> never. What are you yeah. So, what do we all think about this episode, guys? And Patrick, you said that you thought this was a genuine nine. So, how about you start off with this? Yeah, Patrick, go first. Uh, I'm giving it a 9, genuinely, because, haha, get punk Rackless, take this L. Right. <laughs> he, he finally took a loss, and seeing him limp back into his throne room was so satisfying, I swear, man. Where's my squire? <laughs> oh, yeah, where are my servants? Why am I having to limp to my throne all by myself like a peasant? <laughs> <laughs> and it, ma- it makes Kaguraki look good too, because that whole ruse that he pulled was pretty genius, actually. Yeah. I, I, need, I do need to I do need to say something about this too. Before this episode aired, I was actually starting to get agitated with him as a character because it felt like his his alignment was a roulette wheel. It, it, there was no consistency to it whatsoever. And this episode finally, uh, Kaguraki. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His his alliance was an RNG, a random number generator. 
<laughs> it was completely different. It was completely well, different think- every time he opened his mouth. But this time, it fi- we finally got some kind of, like, like stability with him, I guess. For now. And, like, it's about goddamn time. <laughs> okay. But, like, in all seriousness, I didn't mind Kagaraki's flip-flopping, because it kind of demonstrates another form of, like, king or monarchy. Yeah. You have that one king who's kind of like... You know, they go with whatever looks like the strongest, the strongest side at the moment, so that they can end up on the winning team at the end, no matter what. Eh, I didn't. Still didn't make for fun watching though, because it made him feel like what's the word I'm looking for? Weak. Yeah, weak it made character. him look weak. Yeah. Because I had the same feeling. That's why I didn't like Kakaraki as much in the beginning, like the first arc. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he always felt like the weakest link of the group. But now that we've seen the sister and that plot and his real goal, yeah, I actually have a lot of respect for the guy. He's still not my favorite by any means of the uh, of the word favorite, but and I agree with he, that for sure. But he's definitely a good character now. We yeah, have the, a little bit of, we got a little bit of character stability to just what this guy desperately needed. The thing was though, like he's the type of guy who he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. That's the type of guy he is. Yep. No, he's playing three D chess. Three D chess. It's still chess though. So I mean, <laughs> and I think this episode does a bit more to like flesh out the Gira and Rackless conflict because like Gira now all of a sudden. Remembers like Rackless, you had all these like you seem like a legitimately noble person when we were kids. Like, where did all that happen? And then Rackless is always I was a naive little kid when I had all these good dreams. Now I'm just a jerk who wants power, because that's reality. Like I used to be a nerd, now I'm a jerk. Yeah, everyone loves me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I'm a great oh, he's guy. Really, he's going to whip it, it makes me question where, what happened to um, Rackless that made him like go down this pathway because we don't really know kind of like his journey from childhood to king too much. Wasn't there like a three-part story arc where like it was like a spinoff where like it involved just him somewhere on YouTube? I'm not sure. I mean... If the explanation is just simply that he became king and became so obsessed with power, I mean, that's a cliche, but I'd be okay with that. Like, it'd be cliche, but I would like a little bit more to it than that. If if there is anything more to add to it, uh, yeah, but I'm gonna. Yeah, there is. There's like a three part story arc, um, like a spin, like a spin off story, like kind of like how Kamara does it most of the time too. So it's it's one of those things. Yeah, but I'm going to agree with Patrick. I'm going to give this one a nine. Mm-hmm. Definitely a nine as well. That's a nine. Cool. All right, that, now we're going to move on to episode 19, uh, which is literally the name of the Sentai, Osama Sentai King Oger, and there's a reason for that. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so the Bugnarok has seized Shugodom, and uh, Rackless makes a speech at sword point, 
basically declaring that there's like a new era where the Bugnarok have to coexist with humanity and, uh, and Rita, Himeno and Kaguraki rush to Shugodom and Yama and Jeremy. So this is, um, this is probably one of the best parts of the episode. Uh, Yanma and Jeremy, they decide, you know, Rackwood screwed us both over. So how about we come together and we screw with him? And they, uh, they unite together. Um, Rockwitz gets kicked out of the, gets kicked out of the castle because he was, because he didn't want to kill one of his servants that spoke against the Bugnarok. And then he runs into Jeremy and Yaman is all like, Oh my God, you guys are here. Thank you. You guys will help me. Right. And then they're like, uh, No, you suck. And then they, you know, they play a prank on him where they like, uh, okay, a couple of episodes ago, Yama tried to pull this prank on Rackless where he, where they, where they make like this new like sitting cushion. And when he sat on it, it was going to, you know, make a farting sound like a whoopee cushion, but it failed. So then they decide, they actually pull it this time. Like he gets tied up in spider web and then he's forced to like sit down there. So. It, yeah, it's really funny, and it's satisfying. It's as satisfying to see Rackless just be like this squirming idiot now. Um, and then, uh, you know, when he retreats back to the castle, the six King Ogers, they all come together, and they've, you know, de- declared that with the Bugnarok having become more dangerous and taking over one of the kingdom, they formed this alliance to protect the citizens of all kingdoms. And that is Osama Sentai King Ogre. So yeah, they're like all like officially a team. We get this big, like full six team Ranger Henshin, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, they fight off the Bugnarok. They force the two bosses, Desnarok and Kamajim to retreat. And then they use extreme King Ogre to defeat a monster. And then the episode ends with Gira, um, challenging. So they can't, um, arrest Rockless for what he's done since Yanma got even with him through that prank. So Gira challenges him to a trial by combat. Uh, so yeah, uh, Patrick, once again, you gave this a nine out of 10. So, uh, you want to go first? <laughs> um, actually, I'm giving this a 10 because I think this is the best episode of the season up to this point. I was going to agree with you on that and say it's a 10 as well. Yeah, this. This was this. Yeah. You you go. No, you go. This yeah. This this just felt like. It's weird because this really does feel like closure in some in some ways. I don't know. And and it kind of goes back to that point of feeling like the pacing of the season is a little bit too quick because this felt like finale territory we were in, but that didn't take away from just how satisfying it was seeing everybody come together and finally like put aside their differences and say, no, we're a team and we're getting this crap done. And then they, they actually fight the, the two main Bugnarok generals back. Yep. Which is, you don't see that happen too much at like the midway point of a Sentai where they knock the main antagonist backwards. Mm-hmm. So, just, Ian, you have that moment where you have a big fight scene with a theme song playing. It's just too good. Like, th- this, this is great stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is what a Sentai should look like. Exactly. Yeah. Looking I, at you, Zero Ranger and Gekki Ranger. I think the only complaint I would make is that I kind of wish that 
maybe they fleshed out the idea of the Bugarok being in control of one of the major kingdoms for like maybe one more episode, but I don't know, maybe that's a plot that they could potentially bring up again. It'll probably come back at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that being brought back again, because that would actually be a good opportunity for a little bit more story after this whole big batch. Do we need more story? Yeah, I mean, well, after the next episode, when a lot of, with bringing closer to a lot of major stuff, I mean, it wouldn't hurt for like a change of pace with what they're doing. Yeah, no, you're right. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm agreeing, I'm gonna give this one a 10 out of 10. It was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm a gum, okay, so I'm gonna give it a 9. I'm only gonna give this a 9 for one simple reason. Because I'm giving 10 out of 10 for the next episode. There you go. And Riz? Well, the next one does deserve a 10 also. I already had 10 out of 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was agreeing with me. He was giving it a 10 also. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah, let's move on to the next big one. And keep in mind, this is the episode where after Anthony watched it, he called me while Riz and I were doing our Rebels review. So, uh... Anyway, uh, this is called Duel of King and King, uh, where we have this bit. So before, at the beginning of the episode, Rackless and Suzume get married, although it's clear that it, they're only getting married because of, uh, like the, one of those political marriages to unite kingdoms. Uh, and Rackless tries to use that leverage on his new brother-in-law to steal the lance so that he can use the king form again. Uh, Gira and Rackless, um, so Rackless was able to resume power during the duel and Gira's put in jail and then they meet and they begin their second trial by combat while Rackless is using the king form and Gira defeats Rackless in the duel and he demands that Rackless renounce his corruption and go back to the dream that he had, but Rackless just, um, Rackless just scoffs at it, says he'll kill Gira, um, the big uh, moment is like in the middle of a duel, Rackless's servant, his name is uh, Boshimaru, he arrives and he tries to kill Gira with this lance that he stole from Kagaraki, but it turns out that uh, he had been the second in command of the Bugnarok, uh, Kami Jim, the whole time. He was a I knew it. I told y'all. Yeah, this was Anthony's big thing. Um... And the, and keep in mind, this whole duel is being, uh, you know, broadcasted to everyone. And, you know, everybody's cheering for uh, Rockless. But then Rockless, when he vows that he's going to remain king and that, you know, he just views the people as just a bunch of useless pawns, they turn on him and, you know, they start rooting for Gira. Gira takes mm-hmm. the King the Guagadoja king form and he defeats Rockless. And... Yeah, Rockless is sent flying off the cliff, and I guess we can assume, at least for now, that Rockless is dead. Good riddance. And na 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 na. Yeah, he he's not he's not actually dead. They're not going to put a close on that story. Which is likely. Yeah, he's dead. to come back. But the episode doesn't come back with Gira being formally declared the king of Shugodo. and that's it. Uh, what do we all think of this episode, guys? And Anthony, you know, you can do your little victory lap, Anthony. Go ahead. Episode ever, because I was right. I told y'all. I told you. I told you. Now, okay, to be fair, to be, to be fair, 
I only was right about him being he wasn't him the well, the whole time I would assume. Uh at some point no. uh he ended up killing the original uh squire only to take his place afterwards. So but but to be fair, it could have happened at the very beginning of the series, if you think about it. No, we don't know. But yeah. But he said, Oh yeah, I killed him what? like like he's he's somewhere dead in a ditch somewhere. I killed him. He's gone. <laughs> And I was like, dang, I, I, I mean, I, I'm glad I was right, but that, when I heard that, I was like, dang, like, it's a messed up, though. <laughs> but now I can kind of say that this was kind of more interesting, because I, I figured something was up. Because every time something happens with, uh, the Shugo Kingdom or whoever in, uh, in, uh, in the King Oja's, um, lands or whatever, Somehow the Butner Rock knew what was going on. I'm just like, how do they know certain things? Because, for instance, the episode where uh, that same uh, minion went to uh, Gokhan and stole, um, what was it? I think was it was it one of the uh, was it one of the shoe guys that he stole? Yeah, yeah. I think so. They're yeah, yeah. How did he know that? Where was that? Was that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's a very simple explanation for this. Riz, we don't. Riz, we're not going to use super. Well, well I can, I can do you one better. This is a range of quote. He's a spy. Okay, that's better because that's from a good Sentai. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Power Rangers <laughs> season, but. Uh, the, the only thing that, and I mean, I guess, you know, if Rockless turns out to not really be dead, I mean, this will negate what I'm saying. I just feel like this episode should have been, like, maybe, like, just a peg down just a little bit more, like, maybe at the midway point. But, again, I mean, it. I want to hold that for hindsight to see how this season is. Because, like, yeah. cause like, maybe if the story continues to be good, then this ends up being the perfect timing for this arc. But right. that's really the only problem that I have with this one. Aside from that, it was really great, and seeing Rackless get defeated is so satisfying. I mean, it was a long time coming, and honestly, this episode feels like we're closing an arc, in a way. Yeah. But I also don't think Gira will be king for the remainder of the season. I think he's going to either give away the throne, or he'll be dethroned by Rackless coming back or something. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that, though, because I love power struggle stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I think that was a really beautiful battle. I thought Gira gave a really passionate speech to his brother, trying to remind him of the good old days. And his brother pulled a typical, I'm a rat bastard, I'm going to betray you kind of thing at the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, it's true colors by then. Yeah. Yeah, I loved how Gira, when Gira had him down, he actually gave him an ultimatum, like, one last Hail Mary to try to get him to, you know, to, to repent his sins, basically, and he didn't fall for it. But, yeah, him getting exposed and then getting dropped like a sack of potatoes was just too satisfying. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Do we all have you ever watched? Have you ever watched? Have you ever watched? I, um, a show where it, the story was so good that it got to the point where you actively started rooting for one of the characters like you're watching a sports event. You know what? You're just I've like, yeah. that's what oh, I'm doing here when Gira put on the, the crown and became the king of Kawaga Oger. Mm-hmm. I was almost catching myself cheering for him. Like, that's how you know the writing is good. Yeah. I was doing similar stuff to you, Patrick, but my response to your question is, yeah, this has happened to me in the past, in the last week, actually, so, so as you all know, I've already listened to the whole audio drama once through, and there are some key scenes where I'm driving and listening to this thing, and I have to just say, oh, no, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, that's a great moment right there. And even in my realist that I'm doing right now, there's a scene where they're bringing the Megazord together for the first time, and all I can say is, yes! Let's do it! Let's go! Let's go! Megazord time! LFD! Yeah, I love stuff like this where the writing and everything gets so good where you just, like, you turn into a fan, like, outright. Like, I mean, that's what this did for me. No, I mean like, but, you know. No, but I mean like, like a sports fan where you're like in the crowd cheering it on and stuff. Like yeah, for your favorite team, for your favorite team or team member. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot for a story to be written so well that it gets you to do that. But I was reminded of when I can relate. I was quickly because I felt like I was back watching Digimon Savers for the first time, where Shine Greymon opened his hand. And Masu oh, was there getting ready to punch Karada in the face. It was the same feeling I had the oh, first time I got or, the moment in Sabres. Or, or you know, like, no. <laughs> to continue the Digimon train for a second, I cheered whenever I saw Marcus punching Malamiotismon. I thought that was pretty... Hunters. Yeah. 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 Because I've already compared... Uh, Rackless to Karada a oh, few God. times in terms of being of being a villain that's written so you know unlikable that you can't help but like him as a character and well, Karada's worse honestly somehow somehow but yeah it's worse but he's also. On the same level, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm not saying that, like, you know, oh, because Friday's some really messed up things in here, and, and not saying that, you know, mm-hmm. Rockless didn't do anything anything bad, per, like, I'm not saying that, I'm saying that he that he did anything as, he's not as bad, but I'm saying, like, as far as, like, how he does things in the Digimon series was, like, a little bit worse than what Rockless did. Rockless still is so awful, don't get me wrong, but he's not, like, yeah. He's not genociding. He didn't genocide people. Yeah. Yeah, I was about, I was about to say, Karata, I mean, uh, uh, Atlas was basically just being a typical politician. Karata was committing mass genocide. Let's be real here. Yeah. Typically yeah. <laughs> committing mass genocide. Screw him. <laughs> right. But, but if you gave Rockless the opportunity. He would. He probably oh, he would. He would. Genocide. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Do we agree though that this episode gets a ten out of ten? Yes. 
Yeah. 10 out of 10, definitely. All right, cool. Was that our first unanimous 10? <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> It'll never That's happen again. Time. Never happen again. Yeah, enjoy the moments. <laughs> okay, we get to wrap this up on a bit of a calmer note. Uh, next episode is... This is actually probably the first filler episode that we get, which is not a big deal, because it's not even a bad filler episode. Yeah, no. The, um, so this episode, Gira is put through a lot of trials by the King Oger, since, you know, he's now formally the King of Shugodom. Uh, you know, they're, they're making a lot of series of demands toward him now that he's the king, and they engage him in a lot of, uh, trials. Like, uh, Yanma has him in a trivia contest. He has to be in a piano competition with Himeno. He has a cook-off with Kaguraki and a test to be able to keep a straight face with Rita. And he loses all of them. Yeah. Apparently, um, this is like a trial if, like, if one of the kings ends up, like, winning all, all the matches or whatever, that he gets to choose. Like, he's basically, in, like, in charge of everything. He gets to, like, Make the, make the decisions of like, of what rules and applies or whatever. That's what the original, uh, king of the shoe gods, he won all the contests so that he got to pick the demands or whatever. Yep. There's also a side plot with the Doga. He's a former aide to Rackless who's going between each of the other kingdoms to find a new job serving one of the other kings, but then he decides to return, return to shoe Godom and he actually begins working with Gira, helping him, you know, run the kingdom. Most of the episode is just a clip show, you know, recapping yeah. a lot of the previous events. But then we get a brief final battle at the end where Gira repels a Bugnarok attack himself. And then he vows that he'll be a great king as the episode ends. Uh, what do we all think of this one? I mean, there's not much to talk about with this one, but... Honestly... This isn't really even filler, to be honest, because it's the natural progression of Gira and the aftermath of becoming king and trying to learn, you know, and do the next steps of being a king. So I wouldn't even call this filler. It's just, it's more lighthearted than what we've been getting for a while. But it did feel like it's slowing things down a little bit to where we can breathe after everything that's here. Okay, we give one episode of breathing. I don't know if we're going to get that in the next episode, but we might. But even if we don't, it's definitely welcome to have a little bit of breathing room here. Yeah, I would. I think the reason why this feels like like a filler because of the of the clips because we because how they did it was when when um. What's the guy's name again? Um, Nate. Uh, which guy? The 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 one that the the former uh the one that was trying trying to get different jobs as an assistant in the uh, different kingdoms. Goga. Goga. Yeah. So yeah, Goga was basically like being you know, interviewing or whatever, and then they they show kind of like explain he kind of explains who's the who is who in the kingdom just basically. Yeah. But I can, I can see what, I honestly see what you mean, Nate, cause this wasn't a bad episode per se, it was just kind of just like, it was a, a decent one, cause they kind of developed Gira, cause like, now that Gira is now king, like, what does he do? Like, how is he gonna be king? Is he 
going to continue doing that tyrant, annoying tyrant facade. He's going to do that because only if he did that was because of his brother. And now that his brother got the picture, we continue to do it. Well, we already know why because that already happened in the episode. But now it's kind of just like, does he really need to keep doing that though? But that's just yeah. I think he'll start to calm down a little bit now. But I think it's it's also nice to it's also nice to see that the series can do comedy when it puts its mind to it because this episode was legitimately kind of funny in places. Yeah, I think it's funny every time Gira fails. Yeah. That was hilarious. He, okay. he, only pressed, he only pressed one key on the piano and got electrocuted. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm just going to throw this out there. And this is my one rant I'm going to give real quick. This is how you do an episode where your Red Ranger has to do a trial. And even though he fails, he fails with grace and he fails with no real stakes or nothing bad really happens. Unlike with a certain red from a certain Sentai who can't even attempt to do the challenge and just says, no, I don't want it. It's too hard. I don't like it. He didn't even try. Try. Like Jira tried. But Garrett just couldn't do it. And that's let's be real guys. Like let's be real guys. He only failed because they literally set him up. <laughs> yeah. No, they they set him up. Oh, yeah, of course they did. Yeah. Because they knew they knew like, oh it's gonna be easy, easy like it's gonna be light work because like I don't think they did it because be malicious. I think they did it because they figured like because they dealt with Rockless for so long, they kinda of feel like for Gira, they'll probably be like, oh, he's not gonna, he's not gonna take it, take it, um, personal. No, I mean, they didn't even like, they're still gonna probably defer to Gira for everything, which is fine. But, they're probably gonna, Gira will probably, like, you know, he'll simmer out, he's not gonna be as extreme, and he's gonna try and be king now, because he has no other option. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it's that he can't be that whole fake tyrant BS that that guy kind of needs to stop a little bit because it's gonna get serious now because like now he's in in charge of an entire kingdom now. Yep. But I think what's interesting about the um the different the list of demands that the other kingdoms wanted only benefit Shugat in some way. It wasn't like anything selfish. It was more or less. They wanted to help out in their own way. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I thought this episode was fine. I mean, yeah. you get plenty of time to breathe, but I, it's still not amazing, but it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd probably give it a seven out of ten. I give it a seven. Yeah, yeah, that's a seven. Okay, well, that wraps up the episodes. Uh, I, the only real thing that we have left to uh, talk about, uh, you know, we we do the villain anal- analysis, which, I mean, we've already established that we think Rackless is, like, the most disgusting person to ever walk on the face of the earth, so we don't really need to talk about yeah. that. Uh, 
I song loser. <laughs> and we don't even have to mention Desnark exists because Desnark doesn't really do much. Yeah, neither has Kame, Jim. Uh, yeah. Jim at least did something. I will give him yeah. that. But yeah, the Bugner Rock are the still Bugner Rock continues. Yeah, but even like, even if like, even with that one theory of mine being right, he still has a lot more to prove than just oh he was a spy and he pretended to be somebody else. That's great and all, but like, do you have anything else besides that? Well, maybe now that Gear is out of, the, I mean, uh, that Rackless is out of the picture, maybe the Bugner Rock will start having more prominence. Yeah, because they can't rely on him anymore. on Rackless anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They might, but Rockless might also come back next episode for all we know. And I wonder if will Kaime Jin will he try to like imitate somebody else now? Because he's like, oh, well, since I can't imitate the other guy, because the other guy's kind of like the cat's out of the bag with that daddy, should I change over to somebody else and take their spot? It'll be something to pay attention to for sure. Yeah. So I guess the only real thing that we have left to do is uh, update our uh, ranking of uh, each of uh, these rangers. Uh, anybody want to go first on that? I'll do it. Um, sure, no. Jimeno's still number one. Uh, I would probably put Jeremy at two, and then Yanma, and then Rita, then Yura, and then Kagaraki. You would still put Kagaraki last? Really? They they improved on him. They gave him more material to work with, but I still don't particularly like his role in the team. I guess that's fair. I I think... Patrick and I have almost an identical list, except for, like, one or two things. So, him and Noah top. I don't think Jeremy is second. I still think Yanma is my second favorite. Jeremy's my third. Yeah, yeah it's an either one. Um, then Rita, then Gira, then Kagaraki. Okay, I think my list might be similar to Riz's as well because mine is actually it's Jeremy first, uh, Himeno second. I will only making Yama third only because of if Ron, if Ron, if uh, Himeno and Jeremy were in the picture, then he will be my first. But because those two characters are all there, it, I have to put him third. It's just okay, not bad. And um, of course, Rita's gonna be fourth. She's still good. I'm not, I, I can't put her. I can't put her above well, those three. I'm sorry. Uh, Gira is five, and Kakaragi still is still six. All right, Nate. Let's hear where you put Kakaraki. I'm not. I'm not going to put him. The only thing I would disagree with you guys. Maybe I, I would put Gira below Kagaraki, but he would still be number five for me. Uh, oh, okay. I, so I would I would put Jeremy. Jeremy is still a great character. Uh this may be controversial, but I've always been a fan of Rita this whole time, so she's number two. I oh, that's, not, that's fair. I get I get why you, what was that, Patrick? I'll say I don't I don't blame you for putting her up there. Yeah. yeah. I I, I get why you guys her character. Yeah. yeah. I get why you guys like Kimeno more. That's why I'm putting her at number three. Like I I get what you're saying about her being better than Rita. I just it's a personal preference of mine. But then I would put then I would put Yanma. Yanma is still a great. I, I don't know. These first four are 
so difficult to rank because they're all great characters. I think yeah. I put him at third because I was like, I couldn't put him. I mean, the four characters at the top could be in any order, and I wouldn't argue with you. Mm-hmm. In fact, Gera, for all his shortcomings, he is also not a bad character overall by the end of it. No. Because... In case scenario, he's a B-tier red. Yeah, he's a yeah. B-tier. Yeah. I think Kagaraki is more like a C-tier character right now, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can sympathize with that. I, I don't know. I guess I, I get... I got kind of annoyed with Gira playing up the evil king and, like, doing the fake evil laugh. That just kind of annoyed but, me a little bit, so... Yeah. While he did the fake evil laugh, it it was to demonstrate how absurd... Um, Rockless is being in comparison. Yeah, that's fun of him. But yeah, I guess my ranking is just a little bit different, but I mean, I think we can all agree that like Kaguraki and Gira are near the bottom and the first four are, they're all just so great that like you could put them in any order and if, and it wouldn't be that disagreeable. Yeah. Yeah. Man, the only, I guess the only thing else I can say is that, you know, King Oger's looking good. I just hope that they can maintain this good story momentum from this point forward. But I have to. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to do it. Because, I mean, Common Rider tends to have a lot of these things where, like, they play a lot of story trump cards early and then they continue the story and they do it pretty good. Like, uh, like, Anthony, you mentioned Gaim. I think Gaim handled that type of storytelling pretty good. Like, yeah, we have to take a look at Gaim at some point on this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I have faith because, I mean, this guy did Kamen Rider. So, and Kamen Rider is much more story-driven than Sentai a lot of the mm-hmm. time these days. So I, I, I'm very optimistic about the writer being able to maintain this. I mean, but, uh, fingers crossed, but. The concern yeah. is still there, but I'm hoping they land the, the stick the, the stick the landing. But mm-hmm. if he's able to pull this off, I mean, I I really this may be a bold statement because he's only written one Sentai, but this one Sentai alone might be able to like have him be like, okay, not immediately on par, but if he writes maybe like one other good Sentai, he could be on par with. Uh, who is, in my opinion, the GOAT Sentai writer, Yasuko Kobayashi, who did Shinkenter, Time Ranger, King of Man. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he, I'm not going to say he'll be better than her, but still pretty good. Uh, good first impression. <laughs> yeah. That, um, but anyway, uh, anybody else want to give their closing thoughts? Best that was right. No, that's all I got to say. Best Sentai in years, Riz? Best Sentai of the year. Well, it's the only Sentai of the year. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, of the Sentai I've watched this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair. Uh, because we watched Sinkenzer and Gokaiser last year. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, this is the first Sentai of the Reiwa era that I've watched, and, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that the Reiwa era can still keep good Sentais like this. I mean, I hear... I hear Kira Major and Zenkaiju are good, but, I mean, this might be the best one, according to what I'm hearing from some people. Yeah, uh, Kira Major, Don Brothers, and uh, Zenkaiju are some of the best. Yeah. 
Yeah, but then Ryu Soldier was the first of the Rayway era, and I don't know anybody who likes Ryu Soldier. I have never met somebody that likes it. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm on I'm on Twitter a lot now, and just about everybody who I follow who's Toku people are just in love with the season. So it, yeah. yeah. I'm ass- I'm assuming the Japanese audience is in love with it just as much. I haven't been able to like keep up with like ratings and stuff like that, but. Yeah, it's got to be loved over there too because this mm-hmm. this is one of those seasons that we were c- talking about when we were talking about Jetman, where you can write something that can appeal to both the younger audience and the adult audience, and this is doing it. Yeah. Yep. Is that it, guys? Yeah, that's it, man. Take us home. All right. Well, this wraps up episode uh, 99 of the Toby Secrets podcast. So next time, as I said, for our 100 episode special, we'll be doing a tier ranking of our favorite Red Rangers. Uh, we're going to be sticking to mostly the Reds. We're not going to include everyone. Like, I don't think we'll have Eric or Hunter uh, in there. But, you know, most of the most of the big Reds, we're definitely looking forward to that. Uh, and. Our next couple of podcasts, we're going to be doing like, we'll be doing episode 22 of King Oger, just a short, like maybe 40, 45 minute podcast on that. And then, uh, you know, but a big thing is that our next G Ranger podcast will be our last G Ranger podcast. Thank Very God. Finally. God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we can finally move on to some great Sentai. Uh, but anyway, uh, we thank everybody who is watching this, whether you're on YouTube or you listen to us on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, leave comments down below with your thoughts on King Oger or anything else you want to cover, you want to see us cover. And, you know, we will, anytime we see comments, we'll take the time to, like, uh, read them out in uh, at the beginning of the podcast. Your commentary means a lot to us. We will see you guys next time for our 100th episode special. We thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to us. But until that time for our 100th special, you guys all stay safe. We love you, and may the power protect you.